Today's episode of Sports Headlines is presented by Podgo. What's Podgo? Well, Warner, Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. So you're telling me that if I include an ad from Podgo, they're going to tell me up front how much I'll make? Of course. If you apply today, actually, to become a member, you'll be immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Really? So it'll be specified for my show and my type of podcast? Yeah. So all you have to do is go to podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot co, C-O. And when you apply, make sure you add our podcast, Sports Headlines, and the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right. I'll do that as soon as I can. Yep, again, that's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Let's get back to today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Sports Headlines. I am your host, Warner Sanker. Um, Go check out our Twitter. Um, Sean had an update. He will be taking... Um, uh, leave for personal reasons going forward. Um, but let's, um, let's, let's keep this train going. So we've got, um, Kyrie Irving coming back to the Nets, um, after his about two week absence, uh, from the team, we have discussed Kyrie Irving in the past week a lot, um, pretty through and through pretty much every day. Um, so he returns the Cavs beat the Nets by eight, 147 to 135. Um, Sean just said yesterday that he doesn't see this big three working out. Um, I've said before that I don't think Harden going to the Nets would be the best spot for Harden or the Nets um, in, in the first place. So um, Kyrie Irving came back. He played 48 minutes, had 28 field goal attempts, 28 shots, um, and had 37 points. James Harden. His, uh, he played 51 minutes. His usage rate scaled down. He had 14 field goal attempts, 21 points. And Kevin Durant played 50 minutes, 25 field goal attempts, and 38 shots. And the reason why I'm focusing on field goal attempts is because you see right now the leader in field goal attempts is Kyrie Irving. Then you have Kevin Durant. And then at half of Kyrie Irving uh, of his field goal attempts is James Harden. Harden played 51 minutes, which is the most out of those three. But... He only shot the ball 14 times. Harden had um, 10 rebounds and 12 assists still, so he did have a triple-double. And um, but, but I just want to focus on five turnovers for Harden, four for Kyrie. Kevin Durant had two, and, and it, doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help that um, the other two starters combined for four. So, um, But, again, another, another statistic, the Nets with the big three on the floor were a minus 10. The, their their plus minus combined was a minus ten. Harden uh, was a minus five. Kyrie was a minus seven, and Kevin Durant was a plus two. Um, so I, I think it, it was a, it was a great point brought up by uh, yesterday by Sean. This big three, you don't know who's going to necessarily come out and be the team leader, the vocal guy, or who's going to come out and be the ball handler, and who's going to uh, run the offense through them because. You could say, well, oh, it's James, it's, it's James Harden. He had 11, or 12 assists, he had 12 assists, um, played 51 minutes, scored 21 points, uh, and, and he also had uh, 10 rebounds to add to that. So he, he had a triple-double, 
he's going to be the leader of the team. He's going to assume sort of a Russell Westbrook role or LeBron James role, um, getting triple doubles and, and spreading the ball around to his teammates. But you could also say it's Kyrie Irving. He took 28 shots in that game, twice as many as James Harden did while playing 48 minutes. Um, he had two rebounds, three assists, and was second on the Nets in scoring. KD had 38, Kyrie had 37. You could also say it's Kevin Durant. He played 50 minutes, which is insane to me. I never thought he was going to be able to come back off the Achilles and play 50 minutes. Um, so kudos to Kevin Durant and his training staff and his work ethic and his drive. But 50 minutes, 25 field goal attempts, and 38 points. Oh, Kevin Durant's the leader. He's the one who brought Kyrie here in the first place. Um, he was on board for James Harden here in the first place. Uh, he led the team in scoring. He was efficient, 20, uh, what, 15, 12 for 25, uh, 3 for 9 from 3, 13 free throw attempts. He made 11 of them. So Kevin Durant's the leader. He also had 8 assists and 12 rebounds. So I think the Nets really need to find this leadership role um, of who's going to lead this team, how are they going to lead this team, how the chemistry is going to work out, how everyone's going to be a part of the offense, and a part of the defense, which is big, they have 147 points to the Cavs. Now, the Cavs have, having a, have been having a better season um, this year, but they're still the Cleveland Cavaliers. Their starters are Larry Nance Jr., uh, City Osmond, Andre Drummond, Kyle, uh, Colin Sexton, and um, Okoro, who, who I, I honestly have never heard of before. Um, you, you can attribute that to me not being a Cavaliers fan. Um, but... In, in, a, in a game that went to overtime, they lost – the Cleveland outscored Brooklyn by 12 in overtime, by the way, 34-22. to 22. Larry Nance Jr., Seti Osman, and Colin Sexton combined for, if I can do some math fast, um, 82 points out of 147. Andre Drummond contributed with 13, and then they had 17 from Tyron Prince off the bench. Um, and then 12 from Jared Allen off the bench, both guys that came over to the Nets in that James Harden blockbuster deal, the 14 trade um, that sent Victor Oladipo to Houston, sent Karis LeVert to Indiana, of course, Allen and Prince to Cleveland, some Cleveland picks all over the place, and James Harden to, um, to Brooklyn, obviously. So I think with that rotation, the Cavs basically – put it to the Rockets and said, hey, listen, you want to trade two of your key depth pieces for James Harden? Okay, Harden's only going to score 21. Yeah, he'll have a triple-double, but he's only going to score 21. Kyrie is going to shoot the ball 28 times and and make 15 of those. Kevin Durant's going to have 38 points and, and be 12 for 25. But we're still going to beat you. We're still going to outscore you, even though your offense is supposed to be your strong suit because you have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the same team. Not to mention Joe Harris off the bench only had six points. He only sh he shot the ball ten times, so cold night for him. Two for seven from three, two for ten overall. But the net success cannot rely on how well Joe Harris shoots from the bench. They've got to be consistently putting up in in, re in in not even in overtime, but in in regular regular times, whatever the sixty minutes, quarters one through four. They've got to be putting up a good 115 to 135 consistently because the way this defense is playing, the way the team is structured in terms of leadership and chemistry, it is just not going to work overall uh, with these three, with these three players in, in Harden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Now 
honestly, you, this may be controversial me saying this, but I think the Nets would be better off with either Harden or Kyrie Irving getting injured, getting hurt. Because then, while they don't have the depth, yes, that's true. They don't have the depth anymore. But if one of those two gets injured, it's going to simplify everything. The power dynamic is going to be simplified. They're going to have a ball handler. They're going to have a leader. They're going to have everything they need. They're going to have guys playing off of each other instead of trying to fit three guys together. Um, it's it's going to be much, much more simple. We've seen Harden thrive. Harden thrives taking more than 14 shots a game, taking up in the 20s and even the 30s um, field goals per game. Kevin Durant took 25. Standard for Kevin Durant. He, he's a volume scorer. He takes 25 shots. He gives you 40 points. He basically, he had 38 in this game. Kyrie Irving took 28 shots, gave you 37 points. Kyrie Irving is going to be, is a volume scorer. He is a volume scorer. So is James Harden, but you can't have guys, you can't have KD take 25, Kyrie take 28, and then James Harden take, for the sake of a round number, uh, 27. Because then that's that's all of a sudden, what, 80, 80 shots? That's all of a sudden 80 shots from three players. And they're not going to be able to play in standard time 50, 51, and 48 minutes, respectively. In overtime, they can do it. But in regular time, they're not going to be able to play 50 out of the 60 minutes in a game. So I think the Nets should be concerned um, going forward just because they, they – Steve Nash and that coaching staff has got to get a power dynamic, say, listen, this is Kevin Durant's team first. James Harden James Harden's going to be our ball handler. Kyrie, you're going to be the, the secondary ball handler and um, and uh, a volume scorer for us, kind of at, at at the wing, because because James Harden has a better passing ability. Kevin Durant is just all around good, and Kyrie, you are a great scorer, a great finisher, so talented, but you're not quite the passer that James Harden is. You're not the rebounder that James Harden is. So you're going to kind of take a step back, and then it should the the in my opinion the power dynamic should be. Kevin Durant, number one, James Harden, number two, Kyrie taking a step down, number three. Now, that's not why he came to Brooklyn. But I think it's gonna, it's what's going to have to happen if, if the Nets want to win a championship this year. Moving on from that, uh, we've got about 20 more minutes, 25 minutes um, left here uh, today. So let's go on to the uh, – I'm, I'm going to preview the divisional – or the, the AFC championship game. Tomorrow I'm going to uh, preview the NFC championship game, and then we'll see those games be played over the weekend. So um, Bills versus Chiefs, all of what I'm saying is assuming that Patrick Mahomes is healthy and playing. In fact, what I'm going to see is um, – what the status of his he I believe he did walkthroughs and and did a, a no no contact practice, um, so I'm gonna see if there's any update on Patrick Mahomes. Probably should have done that before the show. It is what it is, um, but on Wednesday, um, let's see, on Wednesday, he's still in. Um, He's still, okay, so he's still in uh, concussion protocol. 
but um, he he is his status for Sunday's game is is rising. So his, his stock is rising. He's likely going to play. First, I'm going to lay out how the Bills' defense needs to play. Then I'm going to lay out the Chiefs' defense. Then I'm going to lay out the Bills' offense, the Chiefs' offense, my score prediction, how I think the game's going to go um, in terms of scoring wise and, and quarter by quarter, and then um, and then we'll wrap it off or, or we'll wrap up um, the the episode. So, um, first, the Bills' defense. The Buffalo Bills have a dynamic safety duo in in, uh, Poyer and Hyde. They have a top, at least seven, probably top five corner in the game. My one and two are set, by the way, for corners. My one and two are set with the way Stephon Gilmore's taking a step back. Travis White hasn't been necessarily as productive. Um, now he's still been a great corner, but there's been guys like Xavier Howard, JC Jackson, who have been far like just ridiculous in terms of production. Um, my number my number one and number two corners, any way you want to put them, one one and one A or one A and one B, are Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander. Number one and two. Three could be Travis White, could be Xavier Howard. Could be Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson. Uh, we'll revisit this after the Super Bowl in the offseason. But um, as we approach this game, the Bills' defense is going to have to play out of their minds. We saw pretty much mistake-free football from Patrick Mahomes in in the uh, in in the divisional round. So which is what we had not really seen all season. All season, it, it had been um, turnover-worthy throw here, kind of getting behind, letting letting teams that are clearly not as talented as you stay in the game and have a chance. Now, they only lost, what, twice, I think. Uh, they lost to the Raiders and the Chargers in Week 17, resting their starters. So um, they really only lost once. And if, if you are – if you're the Bills, you have to force Mahomes to to play out of rhythm. And you might be saying, oh, that's what he does best. But let me tell you this. Each and every single quarterback plays better in rhythm. Patrick Mahomes does. Aaron Rodgers does. Russell Wilson, you can bet your dollar he does. And you may say, well, what do you mean? He plays best when he's scrambling all over the place and, and throwing uh, dimes to DK Metcalf down the field or Tyler Lockett. He doesn't. He plays his best when he has these deep shots drawn up and he can buy time for them to develop and then loft a deep ball to DK Metcalf that just fits right perfectly in the bucket for him. Patrick Mahomes, if he plays in rhythm, the Chiefs are going to roll in this game. It's going to be a very, very high-scoring game, at least on, uh, at least for the Chiefs. Now, depending on how the Bills play, We'll make we'll we'll how the Bills offense plays and the Chiefs defense plays. That's gonna that's gonna decide what the score is gonna be. But um, the Bills defense is going to have to be able to get four man pressure on Patrick Mahomes, force him to run all over the place, 
and you never wish for anybody to get injured, but lay, lay some shots on him so he either doesn't want to run all over the place and starts throwing the ball away and, and sliding and not getting those extra yards or inevitably has to go out of the game because he's getting hit so much so often. The Bills have to get four-man pressure on the Chiefs, and that's not something they do best. <laughs> the, the Bills, yes, okay, um, Jermaine Edmonds was, was a pro bowler. He's not one of the top linebackers in the game. Um, but overall, the Bills have to be getting four-man pressure to homes because I will say it again, they have the corners. Tyron Johnson, Tyron Johnson, Travis White are good corners. White is a great corner. Johnson is a good corner. They have a really, really, really nice safety duo. Borderline elite. One of the best safety duos in, in, duos in the league. I'm really high on the Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith. Um, I think the Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos is rising in stock because, honestly, both of them played a lot better, specifically Darnell Savage. Adrian Amos kind of had, uh, had a down year last year, but he played a whole lot better, especially as the season progressed. And, and Darnell Savage as well um, just took leaps and bounds from his rookie year. This is only his second season. He is just an extreme athlete, but um, the Bills have to play tight coverage on the receivers. And you may be saying, oh yeah, tight coverage and a pass rush. That's always going to, that's going to basically win every game for you, but it's not necessarily going to be enough because Patrick Holmes is that good at laying the ball right to his receiver where only his receiver can catch it. At least he has shown this year has not shown that, but I refuse to bet against Patrick Mahomes, especially in the playoffs, especially after how well he played last week, and especially with what I've seen the first two seasons of, of his career, starting seasons of his career. The Bills have to get plays from their safeties. Matt Milano is going to be big because he allows them to have more of a uh, – have a better pass defense um, from the linebacker spot while still being good against the run. But – that's what the Bills defense is going to have to do. What the Chiefs defense is going to have to do is just consistently hold tight in the red zone. Stephon Diggs is going to get his. Josh Allen is going to be throwing bombs. Cole Beasley is going to get his. He has been a very, very good receiver this year. If the Chiefs can hold the Bills to, even if technically their red zone efficiency is 95% for the Bills uh, defense, and they score on 95% of their red zone trips. If the Chiefs give up touchdowns in only like 50% of them and field goals the rest, that's how you're going to beat the Bills because unless the Bills defense and or the Chiefs offense plays really bad or really good, Chiefs offense obviously playing bad, Bills defense obviously playing really good. If that doesn't happen, the Chiefs are going to score at least 30 points in this game. At least four touchdowns and a field goal. That's 31. The Bills went 13-3 and three this year. Scored 500 points. Only gave up 375 points. But the Chiefs went 14-2. and two. They have... 
after this season, a top two quarterback, the best quarterback in the league going forward. They have probably a top two receiver, if not top three, in Tyreek Hill. DeAndre Hopkins, I think you can argue. Um, and honestly, you could argue Hill for number one, too, over Devontae Adams. But top three receiver, the best tight end in all of football, a good offensive line, a good running back, running, running back core, the rest of the receiver core behind Hill and basically Travis Kelsey, because he's essentially a receiver, is extremely good. Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson, I believe is his name. Then you shift over to the defense. You've got Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew, who are a very good safety duo. You've got a good linebacking core. You've got good corners, fast corners, young corners. And you've got Chris Jones in the middle, which, again, if you have an elite pass rushing defensive tackle, that is probably the best position on defense, more so than an edge rusher. Because you look at the Khalil Max of the world or – uh, the Miles Garretts of the world, or the T.J. Watts, you can chip them. Look, look what happened in Dwight Freeney. You can, you can have a tight end line up next to your tackle, right? So you got the tackle here, tight end here, and then the edge rusher, right, lining up against him. Say T.J. Watt. He comes off. The tackle is going to be responsible for blocking him. You don't even have to necessarily double him because the tight end can chip, shove him, that stalls him. Then the running back can come out of the backfield and also chip, that stalls him. You could have a receiver coming in jet motion across the formation or a tight end on a play action inside zone split where he kind of just little, little, little jump and check, little, little shoulder to him, knocks him off a little bit. You see that all the time in play action sets. You have a receiver or a tight end coming over and they kind of just give a little, little, little shoulder to the guy who's rushing in on the quarterback on, on a naked bootleg. You can send all that stuff at an edge rusher. They're still going to get theirs. T.J. Watt still had like 14 sacks or 14 and a half sacks, I think, this season. But boy, oh boy. If you have an interior lineman who is an elite pass rusher, I'm looking at Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, Grady Jarrett. I'm looking at those guys. You can put the center on them. You can put a guard on them. You could put the center and the guard. You could put the center and both guards on them. They may be neutralized. No tackles, no TFLs, no sacks. But then hold on, as long as you're sending four guys to rush the passer and you put three guys on one, on, that's going to leave two one-on-ones and then a one-on-one with a tight end or a running back. That's how value, valuable an interior pass rusher is to a team. If Chris Jones can get pressure on Josh Allen, Josh Allen may get out of there. Chris Jones may not have a single sack, but he is going to put pressure on Josh Allen. He's going to force Josh Allen to hurry. And as a result, Allen's either throws are going to be off. He may be throwing darts down the field, but he'll be tired. The edge rushers will have a chance to get him. A QB spy, maybe a linebacker or a safety who's, who's spying who's a quarterback spy on Josh Allen, following him as he goes when he leaves the pocket crashing and putting pressure on him so he can't just have all day sitting back in the pocket or as Josh Allen does, just flat foot and then throwing a missile 50 yards downfield. You have a linebacker crash, cut him off, 
the quarterbacks fly, and you play that zone defense that they that they run that just limits. It, it makes defenses or it makes offenses fight for every yard they get. Now it may not be as explosive as like a three-four man scheme, right? Where where you're getting where, where you got these two elite edge rushing outside linebackers or a hybrid backer and an elite edge rushing backer, and then you've got two middle linebackers who are going to be man on the tight end and the running back, and then you got lockdown corners on the outside who are getting just picks after picks, and then a, a rangy safety in the middle of the field who, if you throw it too high or give him too much time, he's going to pick it and return it to the house. Those may be explosive, but at the end of the day, when you have an offense like the Chiefs do or like the Packers do or the Bills do, you don't necessarily need that explosive defense that's creating scores and turnovers like that. You need a defense that's going to make the offense fight for every yard they get, for every score they get. And once again, if the Chiefs can limit the Bills to 50% field goals when they're in the red zone, that's a successful formula if you're the Chiefs defense. Now going to the Bills offense against said Chiefs defense. They've got to have explosive plays. They've got to. Got to. Obviously, Zach Moss missed last week. You had Devin Singletary carrying the load, who is a very, very capable um, capable running back. Zach Moss likely is going – I mean, I think he's on IR, actually. He got put on IR two days ago. So um, he will also miss this game. He's basically done for the season because he can't come back for the Super Bowl. Actually, with the IR – the new IR time for this season, I think he may be able to come back for the Super Bowl. It's in three weeks. No, I, I think he's done for the year. He's done. He can't even come back for the Super Bowl. Now, you've got Stephon Diggs. You've got John Brown on the outside. You've got Cole Beasley as your slot receiver. That is a very, very good receiving core. Cole Beasley is a beast. Stephon Diggs is a beast. John Brown is an underrated beast. Dawson Knox at tight end is a very is a freak athlete. He is he is a very athletic tight end. He could be one of the better tight ends moving forward in the next three four seasons. You've got Josh Allen under center. You've got to have those explosive plays, and you've got to convert in the red zone. The defense the Chiefs runs doesn't really let you have explosive plays because they're so disciplined, especially come playoff time. They're so disciplined. And, and, and their scheme and the way they play defense makes you fight for every yard. That you can't necessarily get rely on big plays, a 75-yard touchdown to Diggs on the first play of the game or something after, after a touchback, right? Or the Chiefs just scored two straight drives. You had to punt your last drive. Okay, we're down. We're in a 10-point uh, hole. We've got to answer here because the Chiefs are just scoring at will against our defense. You can't necessarily throw uh, an out route or a slant or crossing route to Cole Beasley, and he takes it for 40, and then a fade down the sideline to John Brown to the end zone. Or you throw uh, Stephon Diggs a, a post route, and he just takes it to the house, right? The Bills offense is going to have to grind and play mistake-free football for 60 minutes, possibly plus overtime, and they're going to have to score at least – 35 points in this game at least four touchdowns if not five or six 
I'm projecting this game to be a very, very high-scoring game. The Chiefs, all they got to do is play mistake-free football and keep driving the, keep putting pressure on the Bills' offense. I mean, simple as that. Pat, Patrick Mahomes cannot turn the ball over, cannot take too many big hits, cannot leave the game. Because if he leaves the game, the Bills are coming back. Like, it, it, we're not going to have a, um, a situation with Cleveland. And, and, and then Chad Henney locking the game on a fourth and one, icing the game. The Bills are going to come back. So Patrick Mahomes has to stay healthy this whole game. I think he will. They have probably the most explosive, if not the second most explosive, to a Tampa Bay Buc- a healthy Tampa Bay Bucks um, unit. Second most explosive receiving core as a whole, whether that's running backs out of the backfield, tight ends, receivers. Second most, right? All they've got to do is play mistake-free football and just keep racking up yards. Keep racking up yards. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, putting the pressure on the Bills' offense to score it and score and score every drive. My score prediction, I think it's going to be a massive game. I think we're going to see the likes of, I don't know, um, a storyline last week was Texas Tech versus Oklahoma, Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield. Like, not not necessarily one of those college-style games where it's just – 80-yard pass, 80-yard pass, 80-yard pass, 80-yard pass, 50-yard run, 80-yard pass, 55-yard run, 55-yard run. Not necessarily like that. Um, but I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Right now, um, I believe the over-under for this game, okay, so the over-under is 53 and a half. I think it's going to be way over that. The spread is KC minus three, which if I'm correct, means KC wins by at least a field goal or more. Kansas City apparently has a 71% chance to win this game. I think we're going to see um, a way, way over. First of all, way over. I think we're going to see KC minus three. I take KC minus three. And... Um, I think we're going to see a game in the realm of 42 to 38 or, or 49 or I don't know about 49, 41 to 35, something like that. I think it's going to be a huge game. That's going to come down to a last minute drive by the bills to score a touchdown or a failed drive, which gives the chiefs back to chance to run the clock out and kneel it out. I'm picking Casey for this game. I think they're going to win. But I think it's going to be a huge game um, for football, for TV ratings. And if you have a chance to, you should definitely watch the game. Tomorrow, I'm going to break down Packers-Bucks, another week six matchup. Bucks got the best of my Packers last time. I'm going to be as unbiased as possible. Um, thank you all so much for watching this episode. Um, and have a great rest of your day.